For far too long, injury lawyers have cared way too much about money and boosting their egos, and not enough about the people they serve. That stops now. Welcome to the Mutrux Firm Injury Lawyers Podcast, where trial lawyer Tyson Mutrux cuts through the BS and gives you practical takeaways to get you back on your feet, settle your case, and get on with your life. No fluff, no ego. And now, here's your host, Tyson Mutrux. Welcome back to the Mutrix Firm Injury Lawyers Podcast. My name is Tyson Mutrix. I'm the host and I'm the owner of Mutrix Firm Injury Lawyers. And today what we're going to do is we're going to get you ready for your deposition. So you have a deposition coming up. Maybe you're on your way to your deposition. Maybe it's you know months or weeks away. Either way, we are going to get you ready for it by going through what to expect, some tips and tricks, and some, some possible topics that are going to happen during your personal injury deposition. Now, this a lot of this general information applies to all depositions, but the meat of it is going to apply to only personal injury depositions. So if you're if you're not preparing for that type of a, of a deposition, then you may want to skip over that section. But let's start with though what is a deposition? A deposition is just a, an examination where the other party's lawyer gets to ask you questions and they're going to put you in a room and where the room is doesn't matter, but they're going to put you in a room uh, with your lawyer. If you have a lawyer, the, and the court reporter is going to be there. So the court reporter is going to be taking notes, either typing or using what I call a fighter pilot mask. And that's kind of weird looking, but they repeat everything that is said in the room back into the mask. Um, and then the, the computer either types it up or they, they type it up later on. But that's who's in the room. You, your lawyer, the court reporter, and the defense lawyer. Sometimes there'll be one or two more people in there. Sometimes they're interns. Sometimes they're other lawyers, but that's usually the, the majority of who's in the room. What should you wear? This is pretty easy. If it's being videotaped, which it usually is not, if it's on video, you should dress like you're going to church. So dress nice, dress formal like you're going into court. If it is not videotaped, then whatever makes you comfortable. All right, so I wear jeans to a lot of my a lot of my depositions. If it's not on video, there's no point in me dressing up. You want to be comfortable. That's all that really matters because if you're uncomfortable, then you're probably not going to come off very well and you're going to be distracted. And we do not want that. What do you bring? You don't bring anything unless I tell you to. <laughs> okay. If your lawyer tells you to bring something, you bring it. Otherwise, you don't bring anything. Because if you bring some documents into the room, guess what the other guy, other side gets to do? They get to read it. Okay, so don't bring anything into the room. Uh, if you've got a purse or something like that, let us know. We will put it in another room. There's no no reason to bring in anything to give them, uh, to open the door for them to read anything. Okay, so if you need it, we'll let you know that you need it. Otherwise, you don't. Typically, what I do for clients, I put a notepad in front of you with a pen. And so you can scribble down things. You don't. I don't want you taking any notes. I just want you to scribble doodles. In, in breaks, so you're not talking to anybody. That's the point of the notepad. It's not to actually take notes. It's to scribble doodles, so you're not you're not writing down anything. It's just a distraction for you. All right, when should you arrive? Well, we our rule is about 15 minutes, nothing less than that, because we want to have a little bit of time to go over things again with you or answer any questions that you might have, uh, any last minute things. 
We also want to make sure you have a time to go use the restroom and get a water, all those things. Um, don't come any earlier than that. Um, the only reason why is because it's right before a depot. It's kind of like a being an air traffic controller. You have things going all around, court reporters showing up, parties showing up, attorneys showing up. Just getting there too early can sort of throw a wrench in things. We want to be able to put you in a conference room um, about 15 minutes before, let you have your own time, you let you get ready, let you use the restroom, whatever you need to do. Getting there any any more than 15 minutes is, is usually not necessary. All right, so what typically happens at the beginning of the deposition? Well, usually what they do is they swear you in. So we'll walk into the room. Because I don't like like I don't want you sitting in there with the defense counsel having a chat beforehand, uh, so I'll have you in the in the conference room waiting, and then we'll walk into the main conference room, and we will begin. We'll shake hands, usually say hello, unless it's a very contentious case, which it could be. In that event, we'll just walk in and sit down in our spots. Um, usually, um, they're not real contentious, where we would we would actually shake hands, you know. So we we'll usually go in there, shake hands, say hello, and and that's about it. All right, so it's pretty, I'd say at that point, pretty informal. Um, but then the, the court reporter will swear you in and we'll begin. So what, let's go over now what topics will actually be discussed because this is the one, and again, I'll get to tips in a, in a second. I'll get to tips last, but I want to go over what is going to be discussed so that you have an idea, a general idea what to expect because um, I can prepare you the best I can. Honestly, I can, but they may ask you a question that I don't cover. So I'm not going to go over all the questions, but I'm going to go over the, the broad general topics. But as long as you tell the truth, honestly, it doesn't matter. Okay. I always tell the clients, just tell the truth and you'll, you'll be prepared for everything. And if you don't remember, just say so. Okay. So let's go into what they're going to ask you about. So they're going to ask you all your personal background. They're going to ask you about um, your name, your full legal name, any prior names you may have had if, if you're married, your address, any addresses for the last 20 years, any telephone numbers, your date of birth, your social security number. They're going to ask you about your education, all, all the schools and all the degrees and certifications you've ever received. They're going to go over those with you. And this is all fair game. It's If it's something that's not fair game, I will object to it. Okay, so just know that if it's not something that I don't think is fair or that's not relevant or that's not admissible. I'll make sure that I'll object to it. Now, note this, though. Just because it may not be admissible doesn't mean they can't ask you. It's a very loose standard in Missouri as to what they can ask you in a deposition. And so it doesn't have to be admissible. It just has to possibly lead to other discoverable evidence, which is an extremely loose standard. Okay, so just know that they may ask you that. May may ask you things that are out of bounds in a courtroom, but are not out of bounds in a deposition. So they're going to ask you about your family background, your marital status, any, any marriages, any prior marriages, um, the number of children you have, their names, your current living situation. Uh, they're going to ask you all that stuff. They're also going to ask you about your health and your medical background. They're going to go over any health issue that you might have. They're going to go over any prior injuries that you may have suffered. So any prior car crashes, any prior injury claims, any prior falls, any prior insurance claims in general. They're going to ask you all that, but they're going to get deep into your medical and they're going to ask you about all your prior medical injuries. They're also going to ask you about your current medical. So anything that's uh, that's applicable to the injury case, they're going to go over all of that with you in detail, even to the point where they're probably going to be reading medical records and medical bills and referencing those. So just know that they're going to go deep 
And if you want to look at your medical records and bills, make sure you get those in advance so you have an idea as to what they're going to reference. I don't think that's necessary. I think sometimes it's worse if a client does read through all their medical records in advance because it just they get so deep into the weeds and so so you know, stressed out about it that it's not worth it. Because the reality is, I don't know how many times I've been to the doctor that where they've actually said, hey, here's what I'm putting in the records. Usually what they put in the, in the records is not <laughs> what you were told, okay? it's They usually have a conversation with you in the doctor's office tell you a couple things, maybe tell you what's wrong with you. And they, they, they send you on your way. They don't put in all the details as to the, the specific diagnosis codes, the prognosis codes, none of that. They don't put that in there or they don't tell you about that stuff. They just generally speak to you about it. So I don't expect you to know a lot of that information. They're also going to get into your employment background. So your last you know, several jobs, I've seen them go all the way back to your, your age 16 to, to present and covering every single job that you've ever been in. And that's, Particularly, particularly relevant when you're claiming lost wages and lost earning capacity, but it's also relevant if you're just injured because they want to know um, if you've missed any time from work and if so, why did you miss time from work because you were injured? So maybe not. You're, maybe you're not claiming lost wages, but you're saying you're really, really injured. They're gonna. The, the reason why that's relevant is because they're gonna. They're gonna say, well, Mrs. Jones, she's claimed she's really injured, but she's never missed a day of work. So that's why that's relevant, and that's why they're going to get into that information. They're going to get into your current job and your job duties, so the physical requirements for it, the hours, your pay, your coworkers, your supervisors. They're going to get into all that. They're also going to get into the specific days that you missed from work over the last five years or so. They're going to get into your criminal background, so if you've ever been convicted of a crime, if you've ever been charged with a crime. Uh, so they're going to ask you about that, and if you have been, they're going to you need to be honest with them. And they're going to get into the details. The last thing you want to do is lie because they're going to, they'll, they'll find out, especially criminal background, they're going to find out whether you're lying. They're going to get into really deep detail if you've got any prior injury or civil claims. So just know that. So if you've ever filed an injury claim before, they're going to ask you about all the specifics just as if they were asking about this case. So they're going to ask you about all the specifics, any, any prior lawsuits, any prior settlements you may have received. Um, even workers' compensation or other sorts of administrative claims like uh, disability. They're going to get into that. All right. So when it comes to the actual case, they're going to get into how it happened, You know, the time, the date, the day of the week, the location. They're going to get, they want, they, they're going to want to know specifics and they're going to, they're going to really drill down on this. And I know it's a weird one. They always ask you, do you know what day of the week it was? Okay. So if you happen to know, you might want to look at a calendar just to find out. If you don't know, it's not that big of a deal, but they always ask that question. I don't know why. It's it's kind of bananas because you can look at a calendar. It's usually not in dispute the actual day, but um, they're going to ask you that question. They're going to ask you if, you if it was a car crash, where you were headed from, uh, coming from, where were you headed to, the weather conditions, the traffic conditions. They're going to ask you the specifics about the traffic control device, and this is all if it's a car crash, um, you know, with stop signs, with stop lights. Who had what light? Who didn't? Was the light blinking? Was the light green? Was it yellow? Was it red? They're going to ask you about all that and all the specifics. So you're going to know what you're want to know what you're talking about. They're also going to ask you about the things that the other driver did. So their client, the defendant, they're going to ask um, how far you away you were from each other, what their vehicle was doing, how you knew what the what the vehicle's doing what the speed of your vehicle was, what the speed of, of the other driver's vehicle was, if you know it, 
um, they're they're going to know they're gonna, when it comes to your speed. They're going to say, "Well, how do you know how fast you were going?" Because what they're trying to get you to do is, well, I was looking down at my speedometer um, and basically staring down at that as opposed to looking up whenever the crash happened. It's a ridiculous argument. Just you know, most people just glance down as they normally do. And it's, it's not a dis- disruption. If it was a dis- disruption, then we wouldn't have the speedometers we do. But that's the reason why they're going to ask you that. And if you know it, answer it. If not, say, I don't know. And I'll get to those tips in a second. All right. You're, they're also going to ask you about any conversations that were had after the crash or after the incident. All right, they're going to ask you who you talked to, how long you talked uh, to them, what you discussed, all of that information, they're going to want to know that. And they're, they're also going to want to know the names of people that you spoke to. That's that's important. When it comes to a car crash, they're going to want to know about the specifics as to the damage to the vehicles. What was the damage to your vehicle? What was the damage to the other driver's vehicle? If it was a fall, they're going to want to know about what you slipped on, what the substance was. Was it a trip? Was it a slip? So the difference is a trip is you're falling forward. Usually a slip, you're falling backward. They're going to want to know about that. What part of your body did you fall on? If it was a car crash, what part of your body was hit inside the vehicle? You know, did your did your um, body jostle around in the vehicle? If so, what you know, did you hit your arm on the steering wheel? Did you hit your head on the steering wheel? Did it hit the windshield? They're going to ask you all those specifics, so you want to think about those. They're going to ask you by this point. Hopefully, if you if you had photographs or video, you have given those to your attorney. Hopefully the attorney has given those to the opposing counsel. They're going to ask you about those those videos and photographs. They're going to ask you if you have any others, and they're going to ask you who took those photographs. And they're going to get into probably show those to you and ask you questions about them. Um, they're going to ask you about alcohol and drugs if you had any of those in the last twenty four hours. Um, and then they're when it comes to a fall case, they're going to ask who you reported the injury to. That's important in a, in a fall case. Because they want to know if you reported to the store if you just left, because that's a significant factor as to whether or not the store knew about it when it happened. That's a pretty big thing. And we, they're going to ask you if it was a car crash, you know, who called the police department? Was it you? Was it someone else? And then they'll usually circle back about your injuries. All right. So they'll usually ask you initially about your injuries, and then they'll normally circle back about those and ask you questions about them again. All right. So you know, what injuries do you claim were caused by the, the incident, whether it be a dog bite or a fall or a car crash, um, whether those injuries persist to this day. So they're getting at any pain and suffering um, and any ongoing permanent injuries because it, it's not uncommon for people to have healed up and they don't have any issues anymore. But if you're making a significant claim, especially for any future pain and suffering if you say that you're not injured anymore, that claim goes away. So they're going to ask you about that. So just keep that in mind. Um, they're again going to maybe reference your doctors and any healthcare providers you've you've been to, and they're going to really dig deep on those. You know where where were they located? What were their names? Uh, what was the facility called? All that. What road were they on? They're going to get into those. Um, they're going to ask you when you first got your medical care after the incident. So did you wait, or were there were there gaps? Um, they're going to ask you how your symptoms went over time, whether they got worse, whether they got better, what they're getting at there is a couple things. One, if they got worse, they're going to, they're using, they're going to use that to show, Hey, well, this is the argument they're going to make. Obviously I don't think it's a good argument. So I've got my, my ways of combating it, but they're going to say, well, they got worse over time. So this, you need to ignore the, that doctor's treatment. 
So those bills you need to ignore because they obviously weren't doing their job. That's why they're going to do that. They're going to get, if they're getting better, then they're going to make the argument, well, so they got better. So she, she wasn't that injured. Both the ridiculous arguments. It's, uh, we've got our ways of dealing with it because we, we always point to the objective findings as to the subjective findings, but that's why they're going to ask you those questions. And then they may also circle back to um, how your life has been affected. This is the most important question in your deposition. Okay. Uh, if they've not addressed it to this point, they're going to get to it and it's extremely, extremely important. They're going to say, how have your day-to-day -day activities been affected? What are the things you cannot do at all as a result of your injuries? Okay. Uh, what are the things you cannot do as well as a result of your injuries? What are some things that you can't do now that you could do before the incident, before the fall, before the dog bite, before the crash? So what I always tell my clients is before this deposition, sit down and make a list of all those things, all the things that have changed, whether maybe you can still do them, but they're just more difficult doing. Is it, is it more difficult picking up your grandchild? Um, is it is it more difficult mowing the lawn, mowing the lawn or doing the laundry? Uh, those are all significant things, even down to the most intimate things. Um, and so write all of those down. Don't bring it with you, but write them down to jog your memory and get you thinking about it because if you're put on the spot, you won't really know. But if you are, if you're, if you have this advanced notice, like you have, cause you're listening to this, you need to start thinking about it because bar none, it's the most important question that you will answer in a deposition. And so make sure that you've, you've got that list in mind as to what's changed in your life. All right. So let's get to my, my tips and my tricks uh, when it comes to a deposition and before I, I, I do this, I want to I want to talk to you about why a deposition is taken. Okay, it's to just it's to discover what we know about the case. It's for the other party to know about what we know about. Okay, it's just it's just that. All right, it's just to get information. It's just to find evidence. Um, it's to get information, find evidence that may be admissible at court. All right, so that's all it is. It's nothing. It's nothing more than that. So don't try to turn it into something more than that. It's very basic. That's what it's about. All right. So here are my tips. First one is tell the truth. No matter what, tell the truth. Even if it's going to hurt you, even if you think it's going to hurt your case, tell the truth. There's nothing worse than lying in your deposition, whether it's to hide something, whether it's to make something look better than it really is. Lying is bad. And, it, and most of the time they'll find out. Okay, so that's number one, tell the truth. Number two, listen to the question, all right? Listen to the question. It's such a basic thing. Stop for a second and think about that. Listen to the question, okay? Make sure you understand it. So you, you the, the question, you're listening, you're listening, you're listening. Now make sure you've heard the question entirely, all right? So you're listening, they've said it. Now you're make sure you heard all of it. If if a part of it was cut out, uh, let's say someone coughed or someone knocked on the door, whatever it may be, and you missed a part of it, ask them to restate it. All right. So that leads to the next one. Make sure you understand the question, no matter what. So you, you've listened to it, you made sure you heard it, and make sure you understand it. If you don't understand what the question is or what they're asking you, just say, "Listen, I'm sorry, I don't understand your question. Can you restate it?" Their response to you is usually going to be, what part of the question don't you understand? 
And if you don't understand any of it, say, I'm sorry, I don't understand any of it. Can you break it down into, in, into multiple questions for me? It's okay to have that dialogue with them. All right. It's okay. Just be honest with them. I'm sorry. I just, I, I don't understand your question. Can you, can you rephrase it? That is completely fine. All right. The next one is answer the question. Okay. Answer the question. Don't dodge questions. Dodging questions is bad for you. Okay. It makes you look bad and it ends up revealing more information than what you're intending. Just answer the question. Um, if they ask you a yes or no question, give them a yes or no answer. So was the light red? Yes or no, whatever it may be. Answer the question. Don't, don't volunteer information, which is the next rule. Don't go in there and, and, and just, uh, volunteer everything that you know about the case. That's not the point. Answer the question. And where that might come in is what, what was the, was the light red? And instead of saying yes, you may say yes. And I also want to tell you something else. Whenever I saw the car initially, I saw that they were swerving back and forth. You don't need to get on into all that information. This is, this is something I can't overstress to you. You can't win your case in your deposition. You can lose your case in your deposition. This is not your time to prove your case. That's not the point of a deposition. The point of the deposition is for them to get information. That is it. Not prove your case. That's not what this is. We're not going to take your deposition and then go turn that into a demand or take your deposition and then put it in front of the jury. None of that will happen. It's for them to ask information, not to prove your case. So don't go in there volunteering a bunch of information because it may not be necessary. It may not be relevant. It, they may completely be accepting liability. They're just asking the questions because they don't know certain things. It's It happens all the time where they're they're not disputing liability, but they're still going to ask you some questions about it because they want they're, they want to see how it affected your injuries. Okay, how how severe the impact might have been, things like that. And so, don't volunteer information. It's not going to help you. The next part is stick to your truthful answers. Now, what do I mean by that? Stick to truthful answers. Well, you may have misstated something. All right? You may have misstated something previously, and you thought about, oh, my gosh, why did I say that? I didn't mean to say that. Um, if, if your answer was truthful, stick to it. If they ask you the question again and, and, and you have a chance to correct it, uh, or at the end you say, listen, I, I, they may give you a chance to correct something you said previously. So you know what? I'm so sorry. I made a mistake earlier and I said something but I didn't mean to. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what I was thinking. You'll have a chance to correct it. But if you, if, if it's truthful, don't change your answer. Um, they, they will sometimes try to get you to train, change your answers and trick you into answering, answering it differently because it doesn't benefit them. Uh, just stick to your truthful answer. Um, don't let them push you one way or the other. Um, one, one way they might do this, and uh, an attorney I know is very masterful at doing this, and um, he's actually a criminal defense lawyer, so you, you you won't be facing him. But in cross-examinations and in depositions, he's very good about saying, he'll, so let's say he'll ask a question of, you know, were you were you drinking the night before? And you know, you'll say no. And then he'll, he'll say, well, you know, was it possible you had a drink? And you'll, you'll say, well, I mean, are you sure? Is it, it, you, it, it's not possible you didn't have a drink. Now, most people are, are going to stick to that answer and say no. But some people will change their answer. Even though they didn't have a drink, they had nothing, 
they will change it. Or maybe the person did have a drink the night before. All right. So how many drinks did you have? I had two. Was it possible you had four? And you'll say, no. Well, are you sure? I mean, you, I mean, it's not possible. And they'll, they'll want to change their answer to four, even though that's not true. <laughs> the answer is two. So if it's truthful, stick to it, even if they try to push it to it. All right. So just keep that in mind. All right. The next one. If you don't remember something, say so. All right. Say, I'm so sorry. I don't remember that. All right. But let me tell you this. Don't get clever. I once had a client years ago who thought, he said, you know what? Not didn't tell this to me, but I'm just saying in his mind, he probably said, you know what? I'm going to be clever and just go in there and say, I don't remember anything. So they can't ask me anything. So they don't, they don't get any information. The problem with that is, is one, it was a lie, but two, it, you, we can't use any of his testimony in court now if he says he doesn't remember everything. So if you, if you legitimately don't remember, say, I don't remember. If you remember, say so. But that leads my next one. Don't guess. Do not guess at all. Say, I don't know. And where this might come up was, will be is um, the a, a standard question might be, you know, how far away was the defendant's vehicle from you when you first saw it? And you might say, yeah, I'm so sorry. I don't know. And then the defense counsel might say, well, was it, was it less than a hundred yards? Um, you know, it's a football field. Is it less than a football field? And you're going to want to say yes or no. If you know, if you're certain it's less than a football field, then say so. If you're not certain, say, I I, I don't want to guess. My, my attorneys advise me not to guess. I'm so sorry. And that will usually get them to back off. But the reason why you don't want to, you don't want to say yes or no. Usually in those situations is I will use things that are beneficial to me. So if it's beneficial to me that the defendant saw your vehicle more than a football field away, I'll use that term football field. If it's something like, you know, the, the, the height of a basketball goal, I'll use something like that. If I think it benefits us, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to use things that relates to the jury that will benefit them. So think about it. Cause that's what, that's also one of my rules is, Pause and think before answering. So we'll, we'll, we'll cover that one next. Pause and think before you answer because you may not, you may think initially that you know the answer, but after you've thought about it for a second, you might think, ah, eh, no, that's not true. For example, the football field one. Was it less than a football field? Initially, you might want to say, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was less than a football field. But then after you've thought about it for a second, you're like, oh, no, no, I don't think so. Um, and so just pause and think before you answer that question. All right. The next one, uh, and we're, we're getting close, but the next one is silence and off the record comments. Don't talk to defense counsel off the record. Okay. No, there's no, accept, no exceptions other than saying hello to them at the beginning and saying goodbye at the end. All right. That's the rule. If for some reason, if something came up where I'm for some reason, not with you in the conference room and they want to talk to you, your response is, I'm sorry, I've been advised by my attorney not to speak to anyone while he's not in here. It's as simple as that. What happens sometimes is, um, same thing during your deposition. Defense counsel will be asking you a series of questions. They'll say, they'll stop for a second and they'll say, let's go off the record. They'll ask you another question to get the answer and they'll go back on the record. The point of that is so that they can craft their next question. Don't fall for it. Just say I'm sorry, we're off the record. Um, my my attorneys advised me not to speak uh, while off the record. And that's it. That will that will 
solve that issue right there. Next one is always read the fine print. Is If there's a document, whether it's the police report, whether it's the medical records, medical bills, other documents, any document that they mention, if they ask you about it, just say, you know, I'd like to look at it before I answer that question. Can you show me a copy? And they'll show you a copy. You'll read it and then answer the question. So make sure you answer. Because I, th- I, this is the craziest thing. Um, one of my very first jury trials, I was actually second chairing, uh, but one of my very first ones, the defense counsel got up during opening statement and was giving the opening statement for the wrong case. Okay. So people make mistakes. So they might hand you the wrong document. They might, they may be referencing the wrong thing. So make sure you look at it make sure it's something that applies to you before you, before you read it. It's important or before you answer the question. The next thing I want to get to are objections. Now, objections are something that as soon as you see me raise my hand, because I I like to put my hand out just to let you know it's coming, or you hear me say objection, stop talking immediately. Don't say another word until I direct you otherwise. Now, the majority of the time, I'm going to direct you to go ahead and answer the question. That's because the, the standard for a deposition in Missouri, what's admissible and what's not, uh, it's pretty loose, so the majority of, of what they get to ask you is is fair game. But I want to get my objection in so they can't then use that as evidence in court. So uh, what I'll say is, you know, objection, relevance, or hearsay, whatever it may be. And then I'll say, you can go ahead and answer the question. That's how I'll say it. And But sometimes, rarely, I will direct you not to. And, so, and that's because of either work product or attorney-client privilege. And so I'll say objection, attorney-client privilege, don't answer the question. Sometimes what they'll then do is they'll, they'll certify it. They'll say, okay, well, I would like to certify that that question and we'll take it in front of the judge and ask the judge. And so um, if I'm wrong, they'll make me pay the court cost. If I'm right, then nothing will happen. Uh, they, won't, they won't allow it to come into evidence. Um, that's rare, but just know that if they do say, well, let's certify it, that's all that that means. Um, it's, it's a pretty standard thing. We do the same things. They do the same things. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty basic. But the thing that you need to know is if I object, you see my hand come up, stop talking right away. All right. So what happens after the deposition? There's something you, it's you, you're a question that's going to be to you and it's going to say, do you want to waive uh, wave signature? And what you, you have the opportunity to do is you can review the transcript and then sign off on it and say it's okay, or you can trust that the court reporter got everything down correctly, and you can waive that signature. We always you know, recommend that our client waive signature. It's up to you ultimately what you do, but it's uh, that's something uh, we always say. You know, we, we recommend that you waive, and if if you agree in advance, we'll just tell the court reporter. You know, our client waive signature. The reason why that is is we can always correct the transcript after the fact if they did get something wrong. You, you don't have to review it in advance to get that done. All right. So that's why. All right. So I think I've gone long enough there. If you have any questions, though, give me a call 888-550-4026. You can also check it out. Check us out at TysonMetrics.com. Feel free to submit any questions to us. Go to the show notes and click the link and you can submit um, your, your audio questions to us. Um, you can also check out our YouTube channel, Mutrix Firm Injury Lawyers. We have a lot of explainer videos there. All right. Make it a great day out there. We're here for you. Let us know if you need anything. We'll see you. Thank you for listening to the Mutrux Firm Injury Lawyers Podcast, a production of Mutrux Firm, LLC. 
we offer a free 30-minute strategy session to discuss your personal injury case. You can ask us anything free of charge. Call 888-550-4026 to schedule your call or use the link in the show notes. If you're trying to handle your personal injury case on your own and running into issues with the insurance adjuster or not getting the treatment you need, try these three things. One, don't give a recorded statement. Two, ask your doctors to do your treatment on a lien. And three, don't negotiate with the adjuster prior to getting all of the treatment you need. Check out our YouTube channel for more helpful tips, where we have hundreds of how-to and explainer videos, or go to TysonMutrucks.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.